Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I want to welcome you to another great episode. Today, we're going to talk about how to become a social media ninja. But before we do that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping here. The Business Creators Radio Show is for anybody who looks to win at the game of business and marketing. Our listeners are what we like to call business creators who fall into one of several different categories. You have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners, marketing and business coaches, folks who help others build their businesses, such as designers, strategists, assistants, and managers. And, of course, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to keep their own hands on the marketing levers and run things themselves. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreators.com. Radioshow.com. Today, we have with us the small biz lady, Melinda Emerson. Melinda is number, America's number one small business expert. She's an expert on small business startup, business development, and social media marketing. Forbes magazine named her the number one woman for entrepreneurs to follow on Twitter. She's a columnist for the New York Times and publishes a resource blog called SucceedAsYourOwnBoss.com. Melissa is also the best-selling author of Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months and the ebook How to Become a Social Media Ninja. Melinda, how are you today? I'm great, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. Now, before we dive in here, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a quick step back and give those of our listeners who may not have had a chance to get to know you yet a chance to learn about Melinda. So just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today as the social media ninja on a mission to end small business failure. Well, you know, my story in entrepreneurship starts all the way back when I was a sophomore in college. I went to Virginia Tech, and I majored in journalism. And one summer I did an internship for the Today Show in New York. I stayed on Columbia University's campus. I didn't have enough money to have a TV or anything, so all I had was a radio and my thoughts. And that summer was when Oprah Winfrey really started developing a lot of original programming with her production company, Harpo Studios. And that really resonated with me because she was the first journalist I ever saw start a business. And it made me think that one day I wanted to own my own production company too. But the one thing I knew at 19 years old was that I needed to learn the business. There was no way I was going to be a dorm room entrepreneur. I knew I had to go out and learn, and I needed to learn and save some money too. So fast forward seven years, I graduated from school. I got a job as a producer in top five television market. I worked for the ABC and NBC affiliates in uh, the Philadelphia market, actually where I live now. And i got to tell you, it was my dream job, but I don't know about you, Adam. Have you ever had a dream job that turned into a nightmare? Well, that's what <laughs> happened to me. That's what happened to me. I, I was making more money than my dad, you know, like at 23, 24 years old, and I was really afraid that I was going to be the big story on every new, on, on the news every day when I went into the television station, <laughs> you know, and I was like, i got to get out of here before I start acting like all these people. But anyway, so. That bad, huh? It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible, you know, and it was like the job I always wanted. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you got to be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Um, but long story short, in 1999, when I was 25, 26 years old, 
I left my job. I left my good job and started my production company, Quintessence Multimedia, in the basement of my house. I had a laptop, a fax machine, and a dream, and that's all I had. You know, <laughs> I I took out a home equity loan. I paid off all my bills, including my car. Uh, my kid brother graduated from college that year, so I took him on as a tenant. So he lived with me and paid half of my mortgage, and I and I bootstrapped it out. You know, and about two two and a half years in. Um, I won a business plan competition, and I won $20,000 in free office space in a business building in downtown Philadelphia for one year. And that really changed my business. Um, And once I had the opportunity to actually have some cash reserves, I was able to bring on my first employee. And then from there, my business just grew and grew and grew, and I started getting really big corporate contracts. My clients were people like Verizon, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Citizens Bank, and I started winning a lot of awards. You know, the interesting thing about being a young female entrepreneur in an all-male-dominated industry, you can very easily position yourself as a media darling, and that's exactly what I did. So I had the opportunity to be top 30 leaders of the future in America, top 50 women in business in Pennsylvania, rising star of the year award from Black Enterprise. I mean, it was just ridiculous. All the awards right. I got a chance to win. But the one that I was most thrilled about was we were named number 29 on the Philly 100, which is Philadelphia's version of the, like, Inc. 500 list. Yes. And um, that was when I really felt like, all right, we're doing this thing. You know, my husband at the time was able to quit his full-time job and join the business full-time. I had 10 employees. Um, You know, we were rolling. And all of a sudden, in 2005, I got pregnant with my son. And I basically went from being the worst workaholic you ever met in your life to being put on bed rest for six months and not able to leave my house. And Wi-Fi was not what it is today. (laughs) So I was literally trying to run my life and my business from a Palm 3 cell phone. And if any of you are over 40 years old listening to this interview, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so. I have one. (laughs) In a museum, right? Um, well, yeah, but, I, yeah, I had it until last year, and then when I moved from Pittsburgh to Nevada, I found myself in a situation where I ran out of time to try and donate things to museums, so it ended up in a recycling bin. <laughs> exactly, which is where it should have been. Anyway, yeah. so long story short is Wi-Fi was not what it is today, and in that time that I had to lay on my couch for six months because they thought my child had a heart condition and they had me up at the hospital three times a week getting testing done. It was really awful. I had an opportunity to think about all of the expensive mistakes I had made in my business. And the number one mistake I made was that I had built a business around myself. I had built a business that couldn't run without me. I had all these wonderful employees and contracts and stuff, but I had built a you got to come ask mama kind of mentality in my business. And so when I wasn't there, my business went, you know what I mean? It just it just basically was almost destroyed, and it was because of me. And I realized that I would have run my business better had I had better advice. So in the time that I had to rest, I started writing down all of these expensive lessons, and eventually they became my national best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Right. And literally – you know, when I was writing this book, I wasn't sure if anybody would care. But you know what? As it turns out, millions of people did. And so um, and I think the reason why my story resonated with people, Adam, was because I'm not the hero at the end of every story. I tell the truth about a bunch of dumb stuff we did. And <laughs> I think people appreciate the fact that 
everything in my life and my business wasn't perfect. <laughs> you right. know? So, so um, you know, I realized once I had my son and, you know, I stabilized my business, I didn't love doing my business anymore. And what I did was I did an assessment of everything I had. I said, well, what are the assets in this business? Is it my customer list? Oh, maybe. Is it my equipment? No, it was depreciating by the second as I was looking at it. Was it my employees? Absolutely not. I realized how inefficient all those people were when I was pregnant. And then I said to myself, maybe the most valuable asset in my business was what I learned from running it. And perhaps I need to figure out how to bottle and sell that. Right. And literally, that was the day the small business lady was born. And that is how I got on the journey of ending small business failure. Because I believe most people have good business ideas, but most people have absolutely no idea how to run a business. So that's where I come in. I try to give them the shortcuts, so the sidestep, the heartaches and expensive lessons. And I have been doing that work now for seven and a half years, and my book came out five years ago, and the second edition is coming out January 2nd of 2015, and I'm just excited. I wake up every day living my dream now, so I really have my dream job now, Adam. So that's that's my shortest version of my story I can give you. Well, I love that story, and, you know, I just want to make one quick observation here uh, for our listeners is you don't know what you don't know. So don't beat yourself up over the past. Just look forward. And I think that's one of the lessons that came through is you realize that you would build a business around yourself to the point where if you walked away from it, nothing happened. I think a lot of folks are in that boat more than they care to acknowledge or more than they're willing to acknowledge because they think after three years of trying to leverage that they should finally be there, but they're not. So it's perfectly okay. And I know what you're going to share today is going to help people people grow their businesses to the point where they're better able to leverage so they can get outside their own business. And if you want to talk about you know things that we don't know that we don't know, uh, I had a couple of jobs from hell myself. In fact, one of the jobs that I had was so bad that I celebrate my last day there, April 27th, to this day is my second birthday. <laughs> I don't kid you. I really do celebrate April the 27th as my second birthday, because it was my last day at that job. And the reason I celebrate it is because for so many years I'd heard the whole thing of, well, if you lose your job or you quit your job before you have another job lined up, then you're going to be unemployed for a year because no one's going to hire a flake like you. And the funny thing about that is within, I mean, April the 27th, uh, it was 2000 actually. It was that year. That was a Thursday. By Monday, I was already employed again, making more money. <laughs> so see that's that's the reason why one of the things that's so important in business is you cannot let somebody else's opinion be more important than your opinion of yourself. And that's the thing that so many of us let people live rent free in our heads so much. And you gotta shake off the haters, that is for sure. Well, you know, haters you know, haters are gonna hate. That's that's all you can do. Um I mean what else, what else can you possibly say? Now here in the Business Creators Radio Show, and I know we have a lot to cover on social media uh, here from the Social Media Ninja. But here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that any guest expert, whether it be you or any of the others, tell them they need to do, except for time and money. 
Now, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show, not only because we get such a variety of answers, but also because we get such a variety of interpretations of the question. So how do time and money apply to this concept that you're about to share with us about social media? Well, I think that you have to use your time strategically right. and that you should not do anything without intention, and you need to treat your blog and social media like a business. If you treat it like a business, it will make money. And I think that really people's mindset is the thing that that is lacking the most in terms of being able to monetize social media. It's about how you come at it, and it's really about your commitment. I mean, the difference between me and somebody that wants to be me is that I am relentlessly consistent in what I do. Right. And I put myself in charge of ending small business failure, and I work Twitter like a job. I always have since I first got on it in 2009. And I think that, excuse me, in 2008, that's what people really need to understand, that it's not going to start raining money in your business the minute you start using social media. It took me two years of tweeting every day, Monday through Friday, before any brand called me trying to give me money. Right. And now we don't have any outbound marketing that goes on. All of the brands call us. But right. that is because we never let up. We are relentless with it. And that's the commitment that you have to have if you want to make social media into a business model for yourself. Yeah, I think that's very important to consider. And what I'd like to do now is I'd like to sort of jump into uh, what we're going to be covering on our call today, which is about becoming a social media ninja. And let me ask a Captain Obvious question because I want to hear your answer to this. Why should a small business engage in social media? Well, the social media is the best thing that ever happened to small business owners because it removed the gatekeeper barrier. And nowadays, if you want to reach somebody, you absolutely can if they're using social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Google+, Plus, whatever. So it's really about how you engage people versus whether or not you can engage people. And right. I think that as a small business owner, it is amazing what social media can do for you. You can listen to your competitors and they don't know. You can listen and get feedback immediately from customers or potential customers. You can test pricing. You can test packaging. And it's all free, but you got paid with your time. And that's the thing why you have to be strategic about which social media sites you're using and why and how. And so – I mean, I can't say enough about why I think social media is a differentiator for any business who wants to make sure that they're relevant to their customer base. I think you're very right about that. Now, of all the social media tools out there, and, and this is one of our top burning questions that we have, uh, we have had experts on the Business Creators Radio Show covering almost every social media platform, and if we haven't had one for that uh, particular platform yet, we will. But let me ask you, in your opinion as a social media ninja, which ones should a small business prioritize if they have limited time or resources? Again, talking about time and money. I believe that as a small business owner, you should be focused on the social media site where your best target customer spends most of their time. It's not about whether you like Facebook. It's about whether your customer likes and uses Facebook. So really right. the first thing you've got to do is develop a listening strategy and know your keywords so that you can go out there and find your best target customer and see where they're hanging out online and figure out how you can join the conversation. That's really what it's about. Thank you very much for saying that because – 
there are so many courses out there, and there's so much education on this topic that say if you're not, not on such and such a platform, you might as well just pick up your toys and go home because you're not really in business. And then we have the people who chant Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, and Instagram and leave out LinkedIn, which is another one of my pet peeves. You're not talking about LinkedIn and you're not on LinkedIn as a small business. I think there's an issue with that personally. Uh, I agree. But, I agree. 75% yeah. of all professionals in the United States are on LinkedIn. So if you yeah. are not on LinkedIn, you are not considered a professional, and it is just that simple. Right, and just like we covered on a recent episode of Business Creators Radio Show, uh, you know, I made the observation that some people will avoid social media because they'll say, well, I don't want to post anything about me, or I don't want to listen to people's drama, or I don't want to look at pictures of cats. Now, those people I have an issue with because my cats have an issue with people who don't like to look at pictures of cats. But <laughs> the, fact is, the fact is, very simply, if you want the business power of social media, without all the drama of social media, LinkedIn's your place. I, But I also believe people aren't really doing all that stuff on the other social media sites. I think, you know, the biggest question that I'm always asked, you know, aren't people just really tweeting about what they had for breakfast? No, actually, they're not. Um, I think that people have a misperception of how people are using There's yo-yos everywhere doing stuff that they're not supposed to, but – business people are using social media for a business purpose. And so, you know, I, I don't think everybody's posting pictures of their cat. Well, here's here's the thing, and, I, and this is one of those cases where I kind of left it on the table for you to pick it up and you jumped in there brilliantly, is you made the observation that the majority of people who are serious about growing their small businesses are also being serious on social media. They understand this is not playtime, this is grow your business time, and I think that's really great. Now, what are some ways to help a small business define their goals of using social media? Okay, so we know no drama, no pictures of breakfast, but what are some of the goals? Well, I think you have to think about what it is you want social media to do for you. Are you trying to reinvent a brand? Are you trying to build a brand? Are you trying to position yourself as an authority figure or thought leader in your industry? Are you trying to drive traffic back to your website? Are you trying to generate sales, awareness, pre-orders? What is it? I mean, you've got to figure out what your – social media is great, but it's but you've got to figure out what it is you wanted to do for you. And it's really a three-legged stool because here's what I think. If you don't have a great website, you don't have any business using social media. Because okay. to me, social media is all about, at the end of the day, driving traffic home. So you've got to start with looking at your website. Is your website helpful? Can people in three seconds or less figure out why they're there and how you can solve their problem? Do you have a great free offer that you can use um, to build your list? Because social media is great, but if I don't have your contact information, I can't sell you anything. And so it's really about your website the right social media networking site, and then it's about email because it's really about capturing that prospect, giving them something of high value, and then building and nurturing that relationship. And what you got to realize is when you meet somebody face-to-face, -face, typically it takes three interactions for you to turn that contact into commerce. Online, it's at least seven. I've seen estimates as high as 21 interactions before you can turn an initial meeting into a trust relationship. 
That's a lot of time. That's really all about consistently showing up with quality content and being able to add value to the conversation. So when you start thinking about social media, I want you to think about it from terms of what I call the help mantra. Number one, you should always be helpful with anything that you share. You need to engage people. Gone are the days of just sending out, uh, you know, your links to your website. You've got to engage with them. You've got to learn some people's names. You've got to show up consistently. The third thing you've got to do is listen. Don't assume you know the culture of the different social media sites because Facebook people do not want to be communicated to like they are Twitter people. They don't like all that hashtag stuff we do over on Twitter. So make sure you understand how your target market is using the different social media sites. And lastly, you need to promote yourself with care. You should be sharing other people's content really at a four-to-one ratio of your own. You want to make sure that you are friend raising and the best way to build a friend in social media is to share their content and the best way to get attention from somebody that you're trying to reach is to share their content i agree with that wholeheartedly what i'd like to do is i'd like to take a small detour from our original plan here because you mentioned something that i thought was very key which is that one of the primary focuses of growing your small business should be building your list there is no substitute for building and nurturing your own list. And one of the big conversations we hear out there is how to use social media to build your list. And this is a question I get often from folks. So what are some of your top recommended strategies for using social media to grow your opt-in subscriber list? Well, the easiest, simplest thing you can do is create a really good ebook and give it away for free. Okay. Um, if you all go to my website, succeedisyourownboss.com, I have a free ebook called The Ten Reasons Why Your Social Media Campaigns Fail. You can download it right now for free if you go to my website, succeedisyourownboss.com. It's right in the banner on the homepage. Can't miss it. And you do things like that, and I want all of you all to go to my site because I want you to download my ebook so you can see it. It's not just words and text. I had a graphic designer lay it out. It looks good. It's nice. It looks like something of value. It's you have to do an ebook at least three thousand words for people to feel like they're you're really giving them something, and right. you've got to make sure it's excellent. If you're going to use something to build your list. It can't be crap, because if you give away crap, please don't believe anyone will ever buy from you. It needs right. to be your best stuff. And if you want to figure out what might be a good ebook topic, go inside your Google Analytics, look at your top content, look at the content that your audience is already spending most of their time on. At the end of every year, I go in the back of my Google Analytics, and I look at my top five to ten blog posts of the year. And those are the things I turn around and make into ebooks because I'm like, wow, everybody, this was shared 10,000 times? Okay, obviously people really want this information. Let me turn it into an ebook. And that's the simplest, easiest thing to do. Now, those of you that have a business where you, um, you know, let's say you're a carpenter, Give away something to, you know, help people get free estimates from you so that they have to engage with you over the phone. Or let's say you wrote a book. You can give away two free chapters of your book to get people interested. And obviously in this free giveaway, you're going to have three or four different places where they can click a button and buy the book too. It's not just to give away the chapters. You want to give it away and plant some seeds for them to buy it. But, again, 
you must be excellent. You must put some effort into it. You've got to have graphics lay it out so that it looks good. So if you want a great example, go to my website, Succeed as Your Own Boss, and download the 10 Reasons Why Social Media Campaigns Fail. Or if you're interested in the two free chapters of my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, you can download that as well from my website. So I've got lots of different ways for people to engage with me to build my email list because my email list is the most valuable thing in my business. It's not my 300,000 followers on Twitter. It's my email list. Right. I think what's really great there is you use yourself as an example to show how you blazed the trail for this. Uh, there's so much conversation out there about what are some of the special tricks to list building. And then we see people using scrapers on social media and dumping that stuff into their email marketing database, which is just an absolute no-no, when the right way to do it is right in front of you, and it's not really something that requires an advanced degree in calculus. Not at all. I mean, yeah. it's really about if you give value, people will want more. If you try to trick people and control people, they're going to mark you as spam, and you're going to get kicked out of your email program, and that's the last thing you want to do. I use Infusionsoft, and they are hypervigilant about where did you get this list from. So you don't want to be out there using black hat tricks to build your email list because it's really a mistake. Right, and another thing, and I, and I wanted to see if you have any special words to say about this, is just because somebody is your social media friend, follower, connection did not mean they said, oh, yeah, I'd love to have your newsletter emailed to me every week. Absolutely, and and so you always have to get permission, you know, and permission is not permanent. Once somebody gives you permission, you got 90 days to start communicating with them. After 90 days, that email address is dead, and that's how you should treat it. So – Ask people if they want to be on your list. Make sure your double your list is double opt-in so that no one can say they didn't opt in your list. And make sure that it's easy for people to get off your list. If you start sending out newsletters, don't hide how to get off your list. Have it somewhere prominent so that people can get off your list if they want to. I actually had to fax a company one time to tell them to stop emailing me. They made me so upset, and there was no way to get off their list. Right. Technically, once you submit a request, they have 10 days to comply according to CAMSPAM, but why would you want the 10 days of drama? Uh, now, I'm not one of those people out there that uh, goes and lectures people when I unsubscribe, because if I don't want to be on their list, fine. And if somebody wants to leave my list, you know what, I really don't want to hear your reasons why. Just leave, because if you don't want to be on my list, then get off my list. That means you're just probably not a customer. That's cool. Find something that works for you. I also want to point out, and I think this is going to be very important for a social media discussion, is that social media can make a great way of engaging people who may not want to be on your list, but that doesn't mean they don't want to be in your tribe. I was, I've been a member of a mastermind for several years, and one of the people in my mastermind ended up becoming a client of mine. So we did some work together, and uh, you know, he gave me the oh, boy, great job, uh, told people how happy he was with the work, even sent some referrals. And the next thing you know, I get a notification, he unsubscribed from my list. And I'm thinking, what? I thought we were buddies. What, what happened? And you can't take that stuff personal. Exactly. And you, can't, you, shouldn't exactly. Even, you shouldn't even get those notices. You should cut them off so that you don't even know when people are unsubscribing from your list. Here's my point. Here's my point. Two weeks later, I get an email from him and says, hey, man, I love what you're doing on LinkedIn. I check it every single day. Something just hit my desk I think it would be perfect for you. When can we chat? So the point being is bear in mind that people in your audience will want to engage with you in different ways. So if you're listening to this thinking, well, I don't need social media, I have a list. 
Well, yeah, the list is one of the most important things in your business. But being present where people are hanging out and ready to consume you is also very important. A lot of the same information that goes out to my list goes out to my LinkedIn. That particular person decided that he did not want easings in his inbox, but when it was time for him to do his business education, he wanted to be on LinkedIn. Thank goodness I was there. How about that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's really what it's all about. Social media now is about entertaining and educating so that you keep your business top of mind when someone has a need. That is really what all of this stuff about because nobody wants to be sold to. Adam, you don't want to be sold to, neither do I. We got all this stuff now blocking people from being able to call us. No one's interested in that stuff. So it is really about you're giving, and if you give, you will get. I mean, it's really about serve, 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 sell. That yep. is really the mentality you have to have if you want this social media thing to work for you. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, you know, when I engage, when I go to seminars and conferences, and people ask the inevitable, "Well, what do you do?" I make it a game to see how rarely I actually have to answer that question. I practice and I study, and I do everything in my power to, rather than answer that question, turn it back around to get them talking about themselves instead. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what I do. It really doesn't matter what I do. What matters is, where do you need the help, and how can I help you? And I don't know, I don't know what kind of help you need until you tell me. So I don't want to sell somebody. I want them to tell me all about themselves and their business and – I find out where their successes are. I find out where their opportunities for improvement are. I find out where their frustrations are. And I find out where, if they had the help available today, they would be ready and willing to move forward on it and take action. And if that's something I want to help with, then they basically just invited me in. I didn't have to sell anything. I consider it a success when I'm on the telephone with somebody and they say, okay, so do you see anything here where I could hire you? <laughs> exactly. And exactly. Time, That's time, exactly the conversation you want to have. Every time I hear that phrase, I know I just scored a big win. I also know I have a guaranteed close because all I have to do is pick something and they'll say yes. That's a Absolutely. guaranteed close right there. Now, in your opinion, because now we've just revealed the power of social media, serve, 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 sell, create the engagement, create the relationship, entertain and educate. Is it worse to have no social media presence or one that isn't updated regularly? Because some people just don't have time. It's just they or they haven't figured out how to create the time. Are there it's any worse, that can help it's, a small business? It's worse to have one that's not updated regularly. You okay. can hurt your brand as much as you can grow your brand with this stuff. Um I definitely think that if you don't have anything, don't start until you can keep it up. Right. Um, I I don't think that's. I, I just think that you you really do yourself a disservice. Nothing worse than going to a blog and you see the blog hasn't been updated in six months. Well, are they still in business? Do they still care? What's going on? You don't want a potential client thinking about that about you. Yeah. Uh, one of my one of my clients uh, recently, uh, actually this happened last year. They decided they didn't want to do their podcast anymore. So I said, okay, so you don't want to do your podcast anymore? You have to take the website down. And Absolutely. I yeah, 
Now, now they thought, what, I'm going to delete my website? No, no, I said, no, no, I didn't say you're going to delete that content. You're going to take all those interviews and all those podcast recordings, you're going to move them around and intersperse them and use them in your marketing because they're still valid. But the website you set up for your podcast, if you're not going to do podcast episodes, you got to take it down because people are going to look at that, and they're going to see you haven't done a podcast episode in six months where it ran up to, say, uh, May of 2012, and then abruptly you weren't doing episodes anymore. They're going to question whether you're in business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to yeah. wonder what's going on. Yeah, and, and that's understood. the last thing you want somebody wondering. Yeah. yeah, they understood. The marginal search engine marketing benefits from keeping that website up were far outweighed by what it would look like if they had a podcast that abruptly stopped six months ago. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, what are some tools that can help a small business maintain a regular presence if they – recognize the importance of social media, but they really just have not created the time yet. Well, I actually schedule my social media to go out every day using two sites. We use Hootsuite.com, and we also use SproutSocial.com in my business. And I give it like an hour every morning. I usually am on Twitter or on social media first first thing in the morning, and between 7 and 8 in the morning, is when I'm scheduling all my content to go out all day. Now, here's the trick about scheduling content to go out. You definitely want to do that, but you also need to check in on your accounts live two to three times a day. You don't want to just put your account on autopilot and let it go. You want to show up. You want to engage with people. You want to build some relationships. You want to thank people for retweets and stuff like that. You don't want to just you know, fire links out all day and nobody hears from you. That's just not really a good idea. Right. I think that I think you make a very good point there. Now, uh, you mentioned Hootsuite and Sprout Social. What are the differences between the two, and why do you use both? Well, I use both because I don't trust any technology, right? Just like I got two hairdressers and two dry cleaners, I got two social media scheduling programs because, right. uh, because sometimes things mess up and sometimes things don't work. I started out using um, Hootsuite, and Hootsuite um, originally was free, um, and and it's still not that expensive. I think it's like $9 or $10 a month, something like that. Yeah, but anyway, nothing. long story short, I used Hootsuite because when I first started using Twitter, it seemed like a thousand years ago, um, they were the only game in town, and they were the best. Um, there's some others. There's Buffer, and, and there's some other scheduling software. Um Earlier this year, I switched to Sprout Social, which is about $56 a month. And the reason why is because the analytics that I can pull through Sprout Social are amazing. And my blog is my business, and social media is my business too. So I get paid money from my sponsors and my clients based upon my analytics. So I just needed a lot better information and Sprout Social is amazing. They, they'll pull all of my social media feeds as well as my Google Analytics off of my website. They email me every seven days with a report telling me how I'm doing, which is how I know that I do on average 58 million media impressions a week online. And I know that because of Sprout Social. So um, their analytics tool is just incredible, and it's absolutely worth every penny I pay for it. Wow, that's some very good thinking right there, and thank you for sharing that with us, because one of the questions we get is, 
what's the best software for automating my social media? And my personal belief is there's a lot of social media that couldn't, that can't and shouldn't be automated. But there are certain things we certainly should automate because it allows us to show up in the news feed more. It allows us to get more information out because if we're just sitting on social media 24-7, we're not running our businesses. We're, at, we're neither in nor on our businesses, and we lose. Now, Right. Um, and I typically, if I could just give a little bit of advice about that, I publish on my blog every Monday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday. Whenever okay. we publish a, a new blog post, we put that blog post out at least four times that day. Okay. And, and the reason why is because my audience is East Coast, West Coast, and worldwide, and everybody is not on Twitter at the same time. So we try to make sure that we have maximum penetration of my audience. So we will put a fresh blog post out four times in a day. I also host a live weekly tweet chat on Twitter every Wednesday night, and I have been doing it for the last five and a half years. So we know we're doing Small Biz Chat every week. We know we have a guest on Small Biz Chat every week, and we know that we have the Q&A blog post on the person who's on Small Biz Chat the, the week prior. So those are things that we know we're going to tweet every single week, week in and week out. So these are the kinds of things that we schedule to go out every day. Um, and then I have a super secret Twitter list of people whose content I love and trust. There's about 75, 80 Twitter accounts on it. And these are people whose content, without even reading it, I know is excellent. And so we always make sure that we pull from that list and push that content out to my readers as well. Right, right. That, that's absolutely fantastic. Now, should a person, or rather, should a company be perf – uh, you can tell I've done a whole lot of interviews lately here. Uh, should a company <laughs> be personal or professional when it comes to the tone of any social media posts? Are there any instances where it might be best to not offer personal opinions? I think that the best blog posts I read are written in a conversational tone. Okay. I think that – I don't believe that a company should have a social media profile, but I believe a person should um, because people want to feel like they're getting to, you, to know you, not Quintessence Multimedia, right? So I think mm -hmm. that it's important for you to be yourself at all times. Um, and, and, and I'll just use myself as an example. So obviously I tweet about small business and social media every day, every week, right? But if I'm watching the – um, Grammys, and I think J-Lo's dress is crazy, I will absolutely tweet about that. I'd be like, wow, does anybody else think that dress is too short? You know, whatever. Right. Um, so I think that um, one of the things that I did, especially when I first got started with social media, um, I have an 8-year-old son. He was, you know, 3 when I first got on social media. And I used to always try to tweet something personal about myself every day. So I would say something like, had to act like an ape to get JoJo to eat a banana this morning. You know, just anything <laughs> so, that people, so that people would feel like they were getting to know me and that I wasn't just like this drone that was always tweeting business stuff. You know, I wanted people to be like, I like that small business lady. She's like a real person, you know, trying not to be late at the daycare like everybody else, you know. And so I think that um, – those are the things that have been, you know, just really helpful to me in, in just building my social media persona. I mean, people want to feel like they're getting to know you, so you should be personal sometimes. I mean, I definitely believe that there's some, such a thing as TMI, and mm. if you don't want to read about it in the newspaper, I don't suggest you share it in social media. There's no such thing as deleting posts. It's up there, and it's going to be there forever. Yeah, I think that's a pretty 
good thing as well because we do see that debate. And I think I mentioned this earlier in our interview that some folks will resist social media because they'll say, well, I'm not going to go in there and post pictures of my breakfast. That's all people do. Nobody's making any money off that thing. And every time somebody says that, I say, oh, cool, let's competition. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm always saying, well, wow, I'm a walking, talking social media brand, so I make money every day from social media. So that's ridiculous. Right. And I I couldn't agree more with that. So what are some basic questions that somebody should ask himself or herself before posting on social media? Well, I think the first thing they should ask themselves is, is my website ready for traffic? Is my website helpful and ready? The second thing they need to ask themselves is, what are my goals? What am I trying to do? Am I trying to build my list? Am I trying to build business? Am I trying to, de- you know, demonstrate my expertise? Am I trying to get ready for my book to come out? What are you doing and why are you doing it? And then right. the third thing you want to think about is, what is your content strategy going to be? Are you going to write articles? Are you going to do podcast interviews? Are you going to do videos? Are you going to post pictures? Okay, well, how often are you going to do it? When I first started, I posted twice a week for two years, and then the third year I bumped it up to three times a week. But that's a real commitment, and you've got to make sure that you don't start something you cannot finish. Matter of fact, my suggestion is is that you start blogging and developing content two to three months before you're actually going to launch your blog so that you build an archive of content because all of us run small businesses. We are busy. You can get clothesline on any given day by some craziness going on in your business. So you want to make sure that your blog and developing content does not become stressful to you. And the only way to do that is to get in the habit of developing content early so that your blog does not become a noose around your neck. Okay. Uh, Develop that a little bit further, the idea of a blog becoming a a noose around somebody's neck, because that seems to happen to a lot of people we know. Well, it happens to people because they don't plan, right? Now, you have to realize that I am a journalist by background and training. So I am a content machine. You cannot compare yourself to me, but I am going to tell you what I do. Every Monday is my writing day. I don't talk to anybody. I don't take any meetings. I don't even do any conference calls with anybody. I write all day on Monday. Okay. And I develop eight to ten pieces in that day, depending on what's going on. I always write my own blog one month ahead of time. So if you see okay. a blog post on my blog, every now and again I write something current, like if somebody dies or something and I want to write something about what their business stuff was. But most of the time I write evergreen content and I write it a month in advance. Okay. All of my blog posts and all of my content comes out at the exact same time every day. So you can set a watch to when a new blog post will hit my blog, 5.30 a.m. every Monday, every Tuesday, every Thursday. Right, Period. right, right. So you, so you do it early in the morning, so you capture the whole country all the way across. Yeah, yeah. We start right. we start sharing content by 9 a.m. every day. Okay. Uh, this leads kind of a related question, uh, and you touched on this earlier, but maybe if you give our listeners a little bit of a, of a framework for making the best decisions regarding this, uh, in terms of when's the best time to share on social media. I see so much space being taken up with conversation about, well, should I post it in the morning? Should I post it in the evening? Should I post it at noon or three? Or uh, 
what can we do to figure this out? Because this conversation's been going on for as long as there's been social media. Well, I believe that you should be posting three or four times a day anyway for new content of your own. And you do that so that you hit all the time zones. So I post at 9 a.m. because I live on the East Coast, and between 9 and 9.30 are the top traffic times on Twitter. Now, I also come back between 11.30 and 12 and post again because that's when my friends on the West Coast are waking up and jumping on Twitter for the first time. Then I come back around, you know, between 2.30 and 3, we hit it again, and then right before people leave work, 5, 5.30, we hit it again. And then every now and again, we'll throw in a nighttime one, particularly on Wednesdays when I do small biz chat. But people all over the world are reading your stuff. So you can't just say, oh, I live on the East Coast, so I'm going to post this stuff when it's convenient for people on the East Coast to read, because you're cutting off a whole lot of other people that would love to look at your content. Right. And that can be challenging for some folks, because maybe they have an audience that is going to be corporate in nature, so you want to catch them during the workday. Now, that definition changes depending on what time zone you're in. Well, it doesn't just change depending on what time zone. It also changes depending on what site you're on. So, for example, on Facebook, I post once a day. I don't okay. post multiple times a day on Facebook. We hit Facebook once a day, my personal page and my business page. That's it. Right. I mean, because people on Facebook can't take all of that. If, if I posted 26 times a day on Facebook, people would be unfriending me. Right. You know, but on Twitter – it's about 32 times a day that I post on Twitter. But right, again, right. I share other people's stuff far more than my own. Yeah, That's just, why people just, share mine. Yeah, I was just going to say, and you know, we have that 4 to 1 ratio or whatever it is that we're talking about here. Some people say 4 to 1, some people say 6 to 1. But the idea is you should be sharing other people's stuff more than you share your own stuff because people like it when you share and are more likely to reciprocate. So just turning that around – uh, if you're going to be posting to Twitter, I think you said what, 32 times a day. What do you come yeah. up with 32 things to say every day? I don't think so. However, if you understand your market and you understand what's being said in the market, you can find 32 things a day to share, and you can recycle things after a certain point. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what I'd like to do here is we still we have a couple extra minutes, which I think is fantastic. What are your uh, Recommended best practices, if any, for using discussion groups on the social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, no, it's not Facebook and Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn come to mind in terms of using the discussion groups to grow your business. I think the discussion groups on LinkedIn are the gold inside LinkedIn. Okay. You absolutely, you if with a free account on LinkedIn, you can join up to 50 groups. You right. should join at least 10 and participate because if you're in a group, first of all, you can connect to the people in the group without actually being a friend to them, number one. But number two, you learn a lot. You can listen and you can engage with people, and then eventually if you want to actually build a relationship, you can because you've become an active, trusted member of the group. To me, LinkedIn is the best thing. The groups in LinkedIn is the best thing about LinkedIn as far as I'm concerned. I can't disagree one bit. So what are some of the strategies for leveraging discussion groups? So this is something that I teach on myself, so I'm always interested in different approaches to this. Well, I think the number one thing you want to do is is ask and answer questions. 
You know, again, it goes back to the help mantra that I spoke about earlier. You want to be helpful. You want to be seen as someone who is a resource. That's how you want to pursue it. So I say ask and answer questions. And if you see a question and let's say five people have already jumped in, don't jump on that too. Jump on another question. Once it gets past five people answering, I think people tune out. Yeah, I think you have a point there. That's usually the case, but not always. Sometimes if you have something new to say. So if you see a thread that seems to be kind of long, but it seems to be very active, what I say typically is just scroll it over to see if what you're about to say hasn't already been said ten times. Yeah. Unless unless there's something to be gained for the original poster by having it said 11th time. Like if they're trying to you know get the consensus or something like that, and you think that you can contribute to the consensus. But other than that, uh, you'll have your opportunity to share that other times is, is my thought. Now, as far as uh, this whole thing with discussion groups about sharing and serving, you mean we're not supposed to like like answer threads by saying, call my office for a free consultation? I, you gotta be careful with that. You you gotta you gotta be careful. I mean, I think that again, you don't want to look spammy and you don't want to look opportunistic. You want to look like you're trying to help. So my thing is, give it to them. They're not gonna be able to execute it anyway. Give it to them and then have them say, "Hey, can I give you a call?" It's much better that way than you looking like you're just in the group trying to make sales. You don't want to be that guy. I know exactly what you mean. I just wanted to I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because that was kind of a Captain Obvious type question, but I just wanted to see what you had to say about it. And you're absolutely right. It's about not being spammy. It's about being seen as helpful. Uh, me, there's two things I'll never do, one of which is I'll never post on an open discussion thread, call my office for a free consultation or, or anything like that. The other thing I'll never say is I'll DM you. I never say I'll DM you. See, here's what I do. If I think that there's enough value in that conversation and I think that they're receptive enough to my help, and I can usually tell that because I've contributed to the discussion, they've kind of latched on to what I have to say, but it's getting to the point where I'm going to start giving away really a lot more than should be on a public thread. And besides, it's probably something that I could get paid to consult on anyway. I'll say, you know, I could probably help you further with this. If you're interested, send me a direct message. And lo and behold, if 99 out of 100 times, it doesn't light up 10 seconds later. Oh, sure. Absolutely, because it's about the pain. If you solve the pain for somebody, you, you can make business, you can make sales all day. Yeah, yeah. And, what, and as soon as I see my direct message notifications light up to see I got a new direct message, I know who sent it, and I know where it's going. Exactly. And the best part is because they messaged me, they're asking me for the help. I'm not asking them if they're, if they're willing to receive it. It's a much better thing when you don't have to sell, right? Uh, I, I agree, absolutely. So, Melinda, this has been a fantastic interview, and we still have a couple minutes left here. So what I'd like to do at this point is just sort of turn over the floor to you for a couple minutes. You alluded to, you alluded to it earlier because you're using it as an example for us to follow. But now what I'd like to do is, because I know we have people listening who are on the edge of their seat, who are just dying to find out how they can connect with Melinda Emerson, how they can get more from the social media ninja, how they can engage the social media ninja, maybe how they can do hand-to-hand 
Mortal Kombat with a social media ninja. They're going to put on their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costume and, uh, and duke it out with you over some pizza or something like that. Who knows? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. i got to find out if my Michelangelo costume still fits. But anyhow. Um, That's what you're talking about. So what I want to do is I want to give you the floor for a minute or two. Let us know how you serve business creators and how our listeners can get more information from you regarding this topic. Well, I am the small biz lady, so you can connect with me on Facebook and on Twitter. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. And by the way, I love to get recommendations on LinkedIn from people who have heard interviews or presentations that I've given that have actually helped them in their business. If you want to buy a copy of How to Become a Social Media Ninja or download my free ebook, you can go to my website, succeedisyourownboss.com. And if you're anywhere near the East Coast, I am holding a big conference called Reinvention Weekend, October 10th and 11th in Philadelphia at the Hilton in Philadelphia. And if you go to my website, you click Reinvention Weekend, you can get all the information about how to come and hang out with me in person. And it is an amazing conference. This is our second year doing it. We're almost sold out, so you got to act fast if you want to come and hang out with me in Philadelphia. But every Wednesday night, I am on Twitter answering your live small business questions as part of Small Biz Chat. So if you use Twitter or if you don't really kind of understand Twitter, if you go to my website, succeedisyourownboss.com, click on Small Biz Chat, and it gives you all the instructions for how to join us every Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And by the way, this Wednesday we've got Robert Kiyosaki, Mr. Rich Dad, Poor Dad himself, coming on Small Biz Chat to talk about how to build wealth through entrepreneurship. So if you're trying to figure out how to make more money, I got the man for you on Wednesday on Small Biz Chat. And, of course, I wrote a book. It's called Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. So if you're trying to reinvent or you know you started your business and you didn't do all the things you need to do, and that's probably why you feel like you're pushing a rock uphill with your back, I have a formula for you to start your business or restart your business the right way in my book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. And you can get all this stuff in my website, succeedisyourownboss.com. So, Adam, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I really hope I have given your folks some nuggets of wisdom so that they can become social media ninjas like me. So this has been great. <laughs> well, let me, let me make a couple observations. Uh, for anybody who heard Melinda talk about the event, uh, I would say you better act fast because it's this weekend. Uh, for those who are listening to this podcast uh, on iTunes more than a few days after it went live, uh, that, that might be a thing of the past. However, you heard her say that she does it regularly, so please be sure to check out her website. Also, uh, there's a good chance you may be listening to this on iTunes after Robert Kiyosaki was there, but man, if she can get Kiyosaki, imagine who else is there, so you probably should check it out. Absolutely. We got all kinds of people coming on, and we do it every single week. We are the longest-running chat on Twitter for small business owners. So come on to Small Biz Chat on a Wednesday night and hang out with me and get your Twitter on. Right. There's one more thing I want to ask. We have just about three minutes here, and uh, you touched on something when I turned the floor over to you. So now i got to take it back, and i got to ask this question. Recommendations on LinkedIn. I hear a lot of chatter about recommendations on LinkedIn and how people get recommended for stuff that's either irrelevant 
or they're being positioned as doing something that's basically the exact opposite of what they want to be known for. For instance, web designers who prefer to be known as marketing strategists, where the web design is what they do to do the marketing, not uh, the other way around. Another example could be people who find themselves suddenly pegged as social media experts just because they're on social media. That's one I hear all the time. So what can we do about recommendations on LinkedIn to make sure they truly serve us? Well, I think whenever someone gives you a recommendation on LinkedIn and it's not exactly what you want, I have absolutely no qualms about going back and asking someone if they can tweak it and actually giving them the exact language that you need. One of the things you want any recommendation to do is talk about how you get results. And so you want to make sure that any recommendation you get works for you. And also, too, don't get caught up in these little endorsement things that LinkedIn is doing now. Those, to me, are irrelevant. It is about somebody writing down why you are awesome, what your superpower is, and why they would hire you again. That is what you want in a recommendation. And so you want to make sure that you ask people to write them for you regularly and that if it's not how you want it, give them the language. They'd be happy to make it so that it works better for you. Don't be worried about asking people to fix it if you don't like it. Absolutely. Now you're talking about the uh, the written out recommendations that are sort of like testimonials. I'm referring to those tags. Those tags are irrelevant to me. I don't think anybody pays any attention to them. I think it's about going for those written recommendations from people. So you're telling me that the tags neither help nor hurt one way or the other? I don't think anybody pays any attention to them. I don't. Do you? Tell you I the don't. truth. Not a whole lot, because if I'm looking at somebody's LinkedIn profile, there's probably a couple things I'm looking for, one of which is I want to see what they identify themselves as being, and then the other is I want to look and see what groups they belong to. Those are usually my top two items when I'm looking at somebody's LinkedIn profile. And third is I look at the links of the websites. And I'm, one of the things I'm looking for is I want to see if it says company website or if they've actually taken the extra five seconds to modify that to actually spell out what they're supposed to be clicking on. Well, I think that I look at what they call themselves. I look at whether or not they have any testimonial recommendations, and I also look at what groups they belong to. That's what right. I look at when I look at somebody's LinkedIn profile. Right. I think we're. I think in some ways we have some some similar thoughts there. So you know, at this point, I think that pretty much covers it. You've done some fantastic value add here. This is a great share, and you. I must say, Melinda, you really do live by what you preach, which is that you you share, you serve, you serve, you serve. And I saw a lot of serving going on here. Sure, you made it abundantly clear how people can contact you and how you can help them further in terms of becoming a social media ninja themselves, but the value you gave here in terms of some of the specifics and some of the ways that they can leverage social media has been huge. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Adam. It's my pleasure. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and learn how our guest experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. We update weekly. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message and help more business creators just like you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.